you guys so much. I hope that, again, you have your Bibles with you and you'll turn once again, and this will be the last uh, message in this series from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture and then we'll, we'll get started, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Now this is a commandment, the statutes and the ordinances which the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land of which you're going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Our focus today will be on verses 6 and 7. Listen to these two verses. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence, God, we confess again our sinfulness. And we confess, Father, that in many ways the purpose and plan that you desire for our lives and also for this church, so often, Father, we do not allow you to do all that you want to do. And, Father, sometimes it's out of fear. Sometimes it's out of rebellion. Sometimes, Father, we look at a world that is around us and we want to identify more with the world than with being your people. But, Father, today I just pray that all of that might be laid aside and we would allow the Word of God to penetrate our hearts and minds. And, Father, I want to especially pray that prayer for we who are men, young men, young adult men, Older men, oh God, may we let this passage of Scripture speak to our hearts. And Father, help us that as families we will teach our children and grandchildren the instructions in the Word of God. Oh God, our world seems to be so messed up. But thank you that you have put the church in the world to be a light unto the world, to be witnesses, and to show the way to you. So, Father, again, I just pray that you would help us to understand the instructions that you not only gave thousands of years ago, but instructions that you've given to us this day. Lord, again, I pray that we as men will open our ears and our hearts today to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God. And I pray, Father, that you'll speak. For I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We have pointed out seven instructions from God in this passage of Scripture to parents and grandparents. And folks, each week it seems like something new and afresh has been given to me, and I say that in a very humble way about this passage of Scripture, and also it convicts me of how, fall, how short I've fallen as a parent. 
But folks, to be a parent and a grandparent is not only a wonderful and fulfilling privilege, but it is an awesome responsibility. And we as Christian parents and grandparents need to rise to the occasion and hear the word of God and become obedient to the word of God. There are seven instructions in these words. Number one, parents and grandparents must be teachable. Number two, parents and grandparents must first obey the commands of the Lord before we can teach our children and grandchildren. Number three, and please notice, I believe that God lays out kind of like a chain reaction. If we do one thing, something else is going to happen in our hearts and lives. Number three, parents and grandparents must fear the Lord your God. Number four, parents and grandparents must hear the Lord. Number five, parents and grandparents must love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might. Folks, can you see what God is trying to say? Fear me, hear me, love me. And when these things happen, then number six and seven will happen. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning, the sixth and seventh instruction. Number six, Parents and grandparents must accept the responsibility to be teachers. That's verse 7. And number 7, for parents and grandparents, this is to be a lifelong commitment in verse 2, all the days of your life. Folks, parents and grandparents must accept the instruction and plan of God for our homes and for our families, even for our marriages. And folks, do you and I not hear and see, and and this is not a critical statement, but folks, it's just right there before our eyes. It is God's desires that we be teachers of God's words, of his commands, and that we set the example for loving God for our children and grandchildren. And folks, there's so much information in these two verses, verses 6 and 7. And I want to point out from the very beginning that if you and I honestly hear these two verses, they will cut into our hearts if we listen to them. And if we allow the Holy Spirit of God to take these two verses and place them deep within our heart. And folks, let me first of all point out where does God intend that His Word, His instructions, and His commands land in us. Listen to what it says in verse 6. These things shall be upon your heart. Your hearts. Folks, it is God's firm desire that His Word would be in our hearts as His people and also His words would be in His church. And let me just read some passages of Scripture for you, okay? Psalms 119, verse 11. These will be on the screen. I have laid up thy word where? In my heart that I might not sin against thee. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 7. God says, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. They shall be my people, I shall be their God, for they shall return to me with what? Their whole heart. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, as God prophesies through Jeremiah about the new covenant that would come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. But this is a covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it upon their hearts. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. Folks, why do we need the Word of God in our hearts? Well, listen to Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 and 9. Listen to these verses. Verse 5. Thus says the Lord, 
Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his arm whose heart turns away from the Lord. And listen to verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? And folks, here's the point I think that God is making through Jeremiah. If the word of God is not in our hearts, we will probably turn away from the Lord and not take serious what he has commanded us and the responsibilities he's given us. And folks, that is not only as an individual, but it's also as a nation. And folks, listen to what Jesus said. The words of Jesus and the New Testament instructions concerning obeying and believing and living the words of God. Listen to this in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. And I want you to notice what Jesus says here. Jesus then said to the Jews who had believed in him. Now, folks, again, stop for just a second. There were many of the Jewish people who did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God and to save the world. If they had, they would not have crucified him on the cross. But there were some who believed in him. And listen to what Jesus says. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. But folks, listen, there is an option You and I, even as believers, do not have to trust in this word, believe in this word, and live this word, and share this word. And let me ask you something. Does not Satan want the believer, want the Christian, want the Christian church to turn away from the word of Christ and not continue in his word? Folks, these are some serious moments, I believe, in the life of our country, I think, in the life of Christianity. We have got, even within churches, people that are proclaiming that this book no longer has any relevance to our society, most especially to the moral teachings and the moral fiber. And folks, I want to tell you, the people of the Old Testament abandoned the words and commands of God. They didn't have books like we got the Bible. But they had the prophets, they had the the people that would pass down what God had done, but they had abandoned it. And folks, it led them into the judgment of God falling upon them. How far is this country away from this coming? That's not where I'm headed this morning. But folks, I want to tell you, Satan does not want you and I to turn to the Word of God. He wants us to turn away from the Word of God. Satan does not want us to take the words out of Deuteronomy 6 very uh, seriously, but he wants us to turn away from them. And there's evidence in this world today that we have turned away from the Word of God, and the natural result of that is that we are in a chaotic society. Listen to what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You and I know from studying about Timothy, who taught Timothy the Christian faith? It was his mother and his grandmother, correct? And Paul here says in verse 15, from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. 
And then he says in verse 16, all scriptures inspired by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God, and let me stop right there. Now, I know that the immediate context of these words, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a pastor and a teacher in one of the churches that's been as established. But folks, I think these words also should apply to you and I as fathers and heads of the house. Listen to what he says in verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Folks, you and I as Christian men and young men, we should be learning and living and sharing the Word of God. After the Word of God instructs us and convicts us of sin and guides our life, what do we do next? And folks, again, can you see the flow of this passage of Scripture? We are to fear God, we are to hear from God, we are to love God, and then what do we do? We teach our children and grandchildren the Word of God. Folks, that is our responsibility. And that's not what I'm saying, it's what God's saying. This is His Word for His people. And folks, I know our first thought is this. We can't do that. We can't force religion on our children. That's the first thing I thought of whenever I was reading this passage of Scripture. Folks, let me point something out. God is not telling us to force anything on our children. Let me point something out. Now, I haven't read this passage of Scripture, but later on in the, in the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, let me read 20, verse 20 through 25. Deuteronomy 6, 20 through 25. Look at these words. When? When? God says it is going to happen. There's a certainty that these things are going to happen. Listen to this. When your son asks you in times to come, what is the meaning of the, te- uh, the testimonies, the statutes, the ordinances which the Lord, ha- your, our God, has commanded you, then, then, now here's God's instructions, then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed us great signs, or showed us signs and wonders, great and grievous. Now, wait just a second. You're going to say, whoa, whoa, I wasn't in Egypt. I wouldn't brought out from slavery the Pharaoh, but let me ask you something. What has God been doing in my life and in your life lately that we can tell our children about? What has God done for our generation that we can tell our children about? Look, God didn't stop acting on behalf of his people after he delivered these slaves out of Egypt. Folks, God is doing something in our lives every day. And we can share that with our children. Let me continue. Against Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. See that phrase, before our eyes? You know what they're saying? God's saying you to be eyewitnesses. You can tell them of what you have witnessed in your life, what I've done for you. And listen to verse 23. This is what the fathers were going to tell their children. He brought us out from there that we might bring that he might bring us in and give us the land which he swore to give our fathers. Listen, they they want to give God all the credit. And, And man, I find myself wanting to take credit. If our family has been blessed and anything's been happening, I want to take credit instead of give credit to God. Do you have that problem? But these folks were to give God all the credit for all the good things they had. 
verse 24, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. When we obey God, God will bless us. That's the way he works, that he might preserve us alive as to this day. Folks, why did I read that passage of Scripture? Like you and me and all human beings, God has put an inquisitive nature in our children. Would you say amen to that? How many of us have walked around and said, Why well, shall be glad, glad when my child gets out of that stage? All they want to know is why, why, what, what. And everything is a question. And just get tired. And, and there's a lot of questions they ask we can't answer, isn't it? Amen? When they start, never mind, I better not go there neither. How many times, how many times have our children, grandparents, have our children and great and grandchildren ask us as parents and grandparents, let me just pose some questions here, okay? Why do we have to go to church? You ever heard that question before? How'd you answer? What about, why do we need to read the Bible and pray and obey God and do the right things? Have you ever heard that? Don't answer this next one, but... Why does a preacher talk so long? Why are people baptized? Why do we put money in those plates at church? And why do people go to the front of the church? Has your child or grandchild asked you any questions about God? Folks, I believe that if you and I are living for the Lord Jesus Christ, He is going to give us the opportunity to share our faith with our children and with our grandchildren. And they do not want to hear a great big theological discussion. All they want to know is what we can share with them that we've experienced with God. And I think this is what God is talking about, teaching our children. Let me read an article to you, and this was in... uh, June 21st, this past week, in the Biblical Recorder, which is North Carolina Baptist paper, it's written by Milton Hollifield, and the title of it is Help Your Child Stay in Church. And I'm not just reading this because I'm a pastor and I want people to stay in church. I'm reading this as a parent and a grandparent that wants to see not only my children enjoying the relationship with the Lord that I've enjoyed with Him, but I want to see them in heaven. Don't we all want to see our children in heaven? Folks, again, this is something that burdens me. Do you know there's only one of two destinations, heaven or hell? Don't we want our children in heaven? Well, then we need to live before them the gospel of Jesus Christ and share it with them, not forcing it on on them, but living it before them. Let me read this article. The Word of God admonishes parents in Proverbs and Deuteronomy to prepare their children for life by training them to, observe, to obey God's commands and walk in His ways. Parents should begin the process of discipleship when children are young and impressionable and continue the spiritual training until their children are grown and move away from home. According to an article written by Mark Kelly of Lifeway Christian Resources, teens who at age 17 have parents as authentic examples of the Christian faith are more likely to be attending church as young adults. Can I read that again? Teens who are at age 17 have parents as, who have parents as authentic examples of Christian faith are more likely to keep attending church as young adults. The article also states that 20% more of those who 
continued attending church indicated they had parents or family members who invested in them by discussing spiritual things, giving spiritual guidance, and praying for them. Family vacations, listen to this, family vacations can provide opportunities to invest spiritually in your children with some meaningful evangelism and discipleship conversations. I encourage you to take a family vacation this summer and enjoy hanging out with your children and grandchildren in a more relaxed setting. Do fun things together. This is a great way to strengthen family relationships and create memories to be enjoyed in future years. You may have a child or grandchild leaving home this fall to attend their first semester in college. Listen to this. What are the most important topics you need to discuss with them as you prepare to send them into an environment that is completely different from what they have known in their home and church community? Have you prepared them to expect a different life environment? What are some foundational or fundamental Christian truths this individual needs to be grounded in before they leave your home? The next few weeks will provide some final opportunities for you to have some important conversations with this young college student. Be a responsible parent or grandparent and make the best of this opportunity. Encourage your freshmen to connect with the local campus ministry representative at their new school. Inquire with the college campuses about Christian ministry there on the college campus. And listen to this. Research indicates that approximately 85% of students who leave home to attend college never return to church. It makes me want to cry. And folks, that's why it's important that you and I stay connected with our college students. I know that many Sunday school classes in in this church will send cards, words of encouragement. Please continue to do that, not only to the freshman students, but to every student that goes to college. Folks, I'll put this article on the bulletin board if you like. Is it important that we teach our children? Yes, it is. But let me, let me again get back to these two verses. And I want to read these two verses to you out of the Amplified Bible. Look at this, please. It's going to be on the screen. Just, just gives you a little bit more, I think, of, of what God is saying through Moses. And these words which I am commanding you this day shall be first in your own minds and hearts. Then you shall wet and sharpen them so as to make them penetrate And teach and impress them diligently upon the minds and hearts of your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Let me, let me just read this, these two verses are, are the phrase in this from many different uh, translations. The King James Version, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. The New International Version, impress them on your children. The Living Bible, you must teach them to your children. Folks, here's some notes from the Full Life Study Bible. Spiritual instruction must be centered in the home with both parents. Now, again, if you're a single mom or a single dad, of course, that would be hard. But, folks, spiritual instruction must be centered in the home Devotion to the Lord in the home is not an option. It is a direct command from the Lord. And folks, it is. Here it is right here in this Word. 
The Bible is preeminently a family book. Israel's national life was supposed to find the center of strength and perseverance in godly homes. And folks, I've mentioned earlier that in these early moments in in Deuteronomy 6, the early moments of this young nation, God is saying to the people, the land will be as his homes are. The godly training of children should be a number one concern of parents. The purpose of parental instruction is to teach the children to fear the Lord, to walk in His ways, to love and appreciate God, and to love God with all their hearts and minds. Isn't that what we've read in Deuteronomy chapter 6? As Christian parents, we must give our children a God-centered education in the home. In the home. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Folks, this is not forcing religion on our children, but number one, it is obeying the command of God. Can I get an amen from that? Folks, really, this is what God is telling His people. And number two, it is showing them that our faith is a relationship we have with God through Christ. It is not simply a religion. You know, if you want to make me mad, tell me about the traditions of Christianity as if Christianity is just another religion in the world. And a lot of people are teaching that. Folks, it is not. Christianity is a relationship that sinful man has with holy God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what Christianity is. That's what we're sharing with our children. We're not just saying, be nice. We're saying, you can know God. Your Creator. And you can know Him through God's Son. And folks, we're not forcing religion on our children because we're showing them how much we love them and we want them to find life at its fullest. And that's what Jesus promised. And folks, I've been a little bit nervous because I didn't think I'd get this far. But folks, here's what I wanted to get to this morning. And I want you to hear these verses. This is going to take me about five more minutes, probably. I'm going to read two verses out of Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, and Luke chapter 1, verse 17. Did the people listening to these words from Moses, from God, in Deuteronomy 6 and throughout the Old Testament, did the nation of Israel obey God's command? And folks, they didn't. In Malachi's day, the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi prophesies that God is going to send a Redeemer, but before He sends the Redeemer, He's going to send someone to announce the way. And you and I know that person as whom? John the Baptist. But listen to what Malachi says. Behold, I will send you Elijah... The prophet, and he was speaking not literally, but speaking of John the Baptist being like Elijah. The prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will listen to this, verse 6. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. And listen to Luke chapter 1, verse 17. Speaking of John the Baptist, Gabriel the angel is speaking to Zechariah before he even knows that Elizabeth is pregnant. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Folks, two weeks ago as I was studying 
this phrase to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children literally within me shook me. Folks, one of the greatest sins of God's people in the Old Testament had been the failure of fathers to love their sons and daughters enough to teach them the ways and commands of God. With the coming of John the Baptist and the gospel of Christ, the hearts of the fathers was to return to their children. And folks, I've never seen it in this light before. There's so much teaching about the family and about the role of parents, but most especially the fathers. And I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm just trying to tell you what it says in the Word of God this morning, men, okay? This is a clear statement that one of the key goals of the gospel was to reestablish God's will for the family and the current relationship between fathers and their children. And through the preaching of repentance and the lordship of Christ, as men dedicated their lives to the Lord Jesus, then they would dedicate themselves to their children and desire to raise them in godly homes. And I'm not trying to leave the women out. But you and I as men want to be the head of the household, but so often it's not the spiritual head. But that's what God desires from you and I as men. And as Charles Stanley said one time, men might get mad at me in the church tonight or today, but I know that at least I'm going to be doing what the Lord tells me to do. Okay? All right? If the church today fails to become what God wants it to be, One factor may be that once again, we as men, our hearts have forsaken the Lord, and in forsaking the Lord, we have forsaken our children by failing to love them, to spend time with them, and to teach them God's Word and righteous standards. As Christian fathers and grandfathers, we are to teach our children faithfulness to God. As Christian fathers and grandfathers, we are to love and to correct our children. And let me tell you something, if you are a father, if you are a parent that is trying to correct and raise your children the right way, may God bless your heart and life and may He use you in a powerful way. We need to stop being our children's friends and be their godly and Christian parent. And we need to pray for our children. Can I say those again? We need to teach our children faithfulness to God. We need to love and correct our children. We need to pray for our children. And folks, all of this might seem silly and irrelevant to our day, but I want you to look around. You know, I'm not smart enough to use a smartphone, but, and I'm not, try, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm as serious as I know how to be. I got Rebecca to sit up my phone so that, uh, you know, I've got the Channel 5 app, and, and if there's some news flash, of course, my phone's going to bling, and I'm going to look it up and see what's going on, because you don't ever know what's going on. But I've gotten so depressed in recent weeks by that app. And let me just tell you some stuff that's happened in our, in our state, in our region of this country. And you know all these things. How about the sexual sexual exploitation of children, even in the state of North Carolina? How about the adoption of children by fathers? How about children dying from hypothermia or heat stroke in cars because they've been forgotten? May God help these folks who are involved in all of these things. 
it was yesterday or Friday on the news, a man, and, and I, I didn't hear the details. I don't know if the man knew the woman. There was a woman that was nine months pregnant, and a man struck her abdomen with a pipe. Yes, these are extreme examples, but folks, is not this what the world is turning to? Was this ever God's expectation for men? We're living in a day in which men make babies, but men will not become fathers. And folks, I want to say to the young women, and you might think this is out of place, but if a man is not willing to walk a church aisle and commit his heart and his life, not only to the Lord Jesus Christ, but to you in marriage, do not go to bed with that person. Now, how can we live in a society where our very own offspring, we are physically and sexually abusing them? Folks, as young men and as fathers and grandfathers, we need to hear a call from God to become godly men and godly fathers and godly grandfathers and live out our faith and share our faith with our children and with our grandchildren. Satan does not want you and I as men to take the role that God intended for us to have. He wants us to forsake God's commands in our own lives and then be a poor example to our children. And folks, we've got to admit as men, you and I know this, that our children and grandchildren are going to shadow what we do. Are they not? But what would happen in our nation if men turn back to God. And I'm not trying to leave the women out of this. I'm trying to let's see what the Word of God says. It is the men's responsibility and duty to take the stand for God and for their children to see that. And folks, here's the good news. It's never too late. It's never too late. You know... I worried not about offending somebody this morning, but God not being able to speak through me because of the way that I would convey this message this morning. You know, Jesus said, don't try and cast a splinter out of your brother's eye until you get the log out of yours. I cannot judge you. I have failed in many ways as a parent and as a grandparent. But folks, I'm saying there's hope. There's hope. If there would be a revival in our homes, I believe that there would be a revival in this nation that has been so great. Folks, we've got to begin here at the church. If the church stops obeying the Word of God and the instruction of God, there's not going to be any hope. But folks, there is hope because of the power of our Savior. Let me finish the seventh one. I just want to tell you what it says. How long are you and I to be godly mothers and fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers? Remember what God said in verse 2? All the days of your life. If you and I are given the blessing of being a parent or a grandparent, guess what? There won't be any days off. 
in serving the Lord and serving our families. But may God give us strength. Let us pray. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take the words of God and speak to our hearts.